from New Hampshire Public Radio, this is Stranglehold. I'm Jack Rodolico. We have some news. We don't have results, but we have news about why we don't have uh, results. And I'm only being sarcastic because this is an epic failure by the Iowa State If I told you that approaching 1 a.m. Eastern time, we wouldn't know any results because of inconsistencies in the first in the nation caucus. Would you have believed me? Sources confirmed to NBC News that the Iowa Democratic Party hung up on the campaigns. They had one job, Phil. They had one job. But didn't they practice? Like, did they do (laughs) I think the Democratic caucus in Iowa is a quirky, quaint tradition which should come to an end. And I'm telling you, I got a problem with Iowa in this. I got a problem. If you want it first, do it right. And if you don't, if you ha- I don't think they got another chance at this. By my bet is they're going to move it. It's got to stop. Everybody says it has to stop. And yet every four years, the same thing happens. Why not start with more diverse states like Florida or Illinois or you pick this state, Georgia even, any state, but these two very white states. Of course, those two states are the first in the nation sister states, Iowa and New Hampshire. And look, no one in New Hampshire screwed up last night. But if you think that means people here are resting easy, you are wrong. A bunch of people in New Hampshire are feeling pretty anxious about what happened with the Iowa caucuses. And there's a reason for that. It's because New Hampshire and Iowa, their political fortunes are linked. They've built an alliance around their mutual interest in keeping their spots in the nominating calendar. For the most part, political leaders in both states believe we sink or swim together. And plenty of regular folks see it that way, too. Hello. Good morning. Morning. And you can hear it here. This was the very first caller into NHPR's morning news show this morning. Of two points. Uh, The first one is I think it's obvious Iowa, they, they can no longer be allowed to run that. The debacle last night. And unfortunately, I think they're going to take New Hampshire down with them. It is way too early to predict what fate awaits the first in the nation states of Iowa and New Hampshire. But it is not too early to find people in New Hampshire who are rolling their eyes at this state's old ally and wondering, Iowa, what the f***? All right, it's 7.20. We're outside of the Riverwalk Cafe waiting for Mayor Pete Buttigieg to arrive. It's a little cold, could be worse. And uh, we're going to see what he has to say about this uh, no news, huge news out of Iowa. All right, here comes Mayor Buttigieg walking down the street, coming to the Nashua Riverwalk Cafe. That's Lauren Chuljin, my co-host, awaiting Pete Buttigieg this morning, the day after the Iowa caucuses. His first stop in New Hampshire was in the state's second largest city, Nashua. He went to a cafe with Nashua's mayor, who's endorsed him. Sound looking good, too. Yeah, so we walked so thrilled to have you on board. a few months ago. That's right, yeah. Came right up here, I think. I remember thinking I'd like to come back to this cafe sometime. And here you are. 
fantastic circumstances. Great. So you did a great job last night in the you. speech and everything. Felt good. I'm sorry to bother you. That looks delicious. It is fantastic. Lauren followed up with a guy in the cafe. He'd said something a little off mic to Mayor Pete, and she wanted to make sure she caught it. I have to talk to you because you made, like, the ultimate joke in there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I had to say it. I know. I couldn't resist. What did you say? God bless Iowa. You did not say God bless Iowa for the record, but go ahead. It has been said before, Iowa picks corn, New Hampshire picks presidents. Why did you say that? It was a little bit chaotic last night, to put it mildly, and New Hampshire intends to do it right tonight, or in a week. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to count all the ballots on time, we're going to have a, a winner, and we're going to set the tone for the nation. After he left Nashua, Lauren followed Buttigieg up the road to Manchester. She met a Mayor Pete supporter named Jennifer Treecarton. Whatever the outcome in Iowa, Jennifer was sticking with Buttigieg. Her support for the first two states, that was wavering. What do you think about Iowa? It worries me a little bit about the app and how it crashed, and it just, it plays into the whole narrative that, you know, you can't trust the elections, what's going to happen, and... Do you think that Iowa's going to have a hard time staying first in the nation, given what happened last night? You know, they say that every year, every time here in New Hampshire, that we should, we always hear, well, maybe they should change the laws, and we shouldn't be, because we're so homogeneous, and you hear the same arguments all the time. It's a nice feather in your cap to be the first. But if rotating it and having other states will quell a lot of this, then maybe it's worth it, but, you know. And I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I think it's morning. We took a little nap somewhere in between sundown and sunup, and now we are excited to be with you as we enter in the week that will lead to a historic moment. I know there's been a lot of excitement here in New Hampshire, as it happens every four years, the last few months. But now, Iowa is kind of over, and the eyes of the world are upon you. New Hampshire. While Lauren was trailing Pete Buttigieg around earlier today, my colleague Josh Rogers was at a Joe Biden event. That's a good place to find some real stalwarts, primary diehards like Terry Shoemaker, former ambassador and DNC committee man. Yeah, so, I mean, do you, I mean, with what happened in Iowa, I mean, is this any cause for anxiety about New Hampshire's place in the calendar? Well, I... I <laughs> there have already been, you know, um, Secretary Castro has already been criticizing New Hampshire. I don't know if you remember, Josh, but I was on the... I was on that 2005 commission, and all these issues were hashed out in, in that commission. Um, but I expect that it's going to have to probably have to be hashed out again. That 2005 commission, Shoemaker is referring to the last big threat New Hampshire and Iowa faced to their first status. It was a fight within the National Democratic Party. 
people were calling for a shakeup to the calendar to put more diverse states ahead of Iowa and New Hampshire. The Democrats did shake up the calendar. They put Nevada and South Carolina behind Iowa and New Hampshire. But I mean, it's sort of like it seems like kind of fouled lines in Iowa, you know, could potentially kind of, you know, drag New Hampshire over the side of the ship here. Well, our, our process is so different and has such a long history of being totally clean, totally pure, and totally accurate um, in the last 40 plus years, thanks to Bill Gardner, but even before that. Party Democrats in New Hampshire were reading from the same script today, not throwing Iowa under the bus, but making a clear distinction between a caucus and a primary, between Iowa and New Hampshire. New Hampshire primary voters cast paper ballots, they emphasized, hard copies of voting totals. Do you have any concerns that the sort of snafu in Iowa has bad implications for New Hampshire? I'm glad I'm not the former Democratic chair of Iowa. Here's another guy Josh spoke to, Ned Helms, former chairman of the New Hampshire State Democratic Party. So I think the Democratic National Committee is all aware that caucuses are a separate deal. Uh, And I I think there will be wholesale changes to the process in Iowa. I don't know whether there'll be positioning issues that come up, uh, but it begs the question. You know, I mean, this just drew a big red circle right around it. And I'm afraid that circle might be, oh my gosh, get back into, are they representative enough? Never mind 100 years of tradition. So, you know, we'll see. Iowa and New Hampshire have been here before, coming under joint attack, coming under criticism about whether they are really worth all this fuss. But this time, this is awkward. With the primary just a week away, This should be a time to celebrate, not to play defense. This episode of Stranglehold was produced by me, Jack Rodolico, reporting by Lauren Chuljan and Josh Rogers, editing by Dan Barrick, Maureen McMurray, and Josh Rogers, mixing by Maureen McMurray, and music by Jason Moon and Lucas Anderson. You can catch up on all the episodes of Stranglehold when you subscribe to our podcast. Just go to strangleholdpodcast.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Stranglehold is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. 